Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Monday, February 14th, Valentine's Day edition of the Basement Academy. I don't know how many of you watched the game last night. Kind of an exciting finish. I was pulling for the Bengals. Got family in Cincinnati. Uh, but was pleased to see that our brother in Christ, Cooper Cup, uh, won the MVP for the uh, Super Bowl, uh, the, the receiver for the Rams. He is a deeply committed follower of Jesus Christ. So so it's interesting to see what, what's going to happen with this platform uh, that, that has been offered uh, to him. He's had a, a, a tremendous year and uh, he bears faithful witness uh, to Jesus Christ. Okay, let's dive into a morning psalm that's not going to sound a whole lot like a Valentine's Day psalm. Uh, we've read this a number of times. It's a good, sobering reminder about the fool who says in his heart, there is no God. But the psalm ends with this cry, this plea. <laughs> oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. And indeed, salvation has come out of Zion. God has fulfilled his purposes and his promises. So, that, so for this fallen, lost world, God hasn't cast it aside. But he so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. As I said yesterday to the children in, in the early service, Jesus is God's Valentine's Day card to the world. That's his demonstration of his love for this world. And so Psalm 14. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. Their deeds are vile. There is no one who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. All have turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Will evildoers never learn? Those who devour my people as men eat bread and who do not call on the Lord? There they are, overwhelmed with dread, for God is present in the company of the righteous. You evildoers frustrate the plans of the poor, but the Lord is their refuge. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. When the Lord restores the fortunes of his people, let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. Amen. And we do rejoice, O oh Lord, that you have brought salvation to the world out of Zion, out of Abraham's family, faithfully fulfilling your promises. Amen. Okay, let's wrap up our extended reflection on character formation, cultivating the character of Jesus Christ. We'll wrap that, this reflection up this week. So this will be week number six. So we've been at it for a while. I think it's been a worthy subject to treat at length because of what Scripture speaks, that God's purpose is that we be conformed to the likeness or image of His Son. And so these last couple of weeks, thinking about cultivating head, heart, hand, the mind of Christ, the heart of Christ, the virtues, and then these disciplines that help train our bodies to cooperate with the kingdom of God. Remember, <laughs> said it yesterday in church, God's purpose isn't to, he doesn't send Jesus to get us into heaven. I know that's what happens, but he does it to get heaven into us. That is, he wants to thoroughly convert us so that we today put off the old life and we put on the new life created to be like God in truth, in righteousness, 
in holiness. And so we are participating in this wonderful, wonderful experience of becoming like Jesus Christ. But I want to talk today and tomorrow about the role of suffering in character formation. There's a few scriptures I'd like to read. I've got them listed on the whiteboard here. First in Romans chapter 5, after mentioning that we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, we've been made right with God through faith in Christ. Not only so, not only do we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Something happens in the furnace of affliction for the follower of Jesus Christ. A, a perseverance, a, a pressing on, a stick to a, a, a dependence, a deeper dependence. God, help me. As we cry out in our prayers for God's help in the midst of our sufferings, our trials, we press on. The, the taproot goes deeper, seeking water. And that dry, arid time when we go through the difficulty, our faith deepens really in the valleys. Perseverance uh, forms character, and then character forms hope. That is that character, that, that transformation. Something happens inwardly, and that gives us a hope that something, God is doing a purposeful reality in the furnace of affliction. Our suffering is fruitful. It is productive. And so we start with Romans 5, and then we look at Hebrews chapter 12 after uh, telling us to fix our eyes on Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Okay, so he's helping us to remember Jesus endured suffering for us. And then he speaks in, in the original context, the, the audience of the Hebrew, this letter to the Hebrews, they're likely facing persecution and opposition to their faith and are being tempted to return just to Judaism. You know, when we were just doing this Moses thing, we weren't getting all this, you know, stuff. It's now this Jesus stuff that is bringing us affliction. And so he's encouraging them to press on. He says, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. That's the key. God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. Affliction, suffering, trials do something to us. He goes on, no discipline seems pleasant at the time. Can I hear an amen? <laughs> no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. And so the writer here presents the analogy our, our human parents, 
discipline us, they train us, they, they remind us, they scold us, they, they try to teach us not to do certain things and to do other things that we may have a fruitful life. Well, why wouldn't the father of our spirits do the same? And of course he does. So endure the hardship, the suffering is discipline. God is disciplining us that we may share in his holiness. And then he also quotes a little earlier the passage from the Proverbs, the Lord disciplines those he loves. And so <clears throat> a harvest of righteousness is produced for those who have been trained by hardship, by discipline, by suffering. It is not easy, but when endured, perseverance produces character, produces hope. James uh, chapter 1 has the same theme. I think this is probably a more familiar passage for many of us. Uh, James leads out his letter this way. So James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Well, he's talking to the early church and the early church is scattered because of persecution. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces, uh, develops perseverance Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Count it pure joy, all joy. It's joy when we encounter trial. Whoa, James, what are you talking about? Are you kidding me? Consider it pure joy when you encounter trials? No, no, no. I do not want trials. <laughs> I do not want difficulty. I do not want pain. I do not want suffering. But these things will come. And he's speaking to a group of people who are experiencing suffering, not just the East of Eden suffering that we all endure as a part of the curse, part of the fall, but they're suffering for their faith. And so this kind of has an echo of Jesus, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. James has taken this on board. Something happens when we meet the opposition, the suffering, we're driven more deeply into the arms of God, a deeper dependence on God. Again, this, this perseverance, the testing of our faith develops perseverance and perseverance must finish its work. There's a a race that must be run. God is forming something in us. And if we are to be followers of his son and his son endured the cross, endured suffering, then we will not escape suffering. Suffering is a part of the program. God ordained it. We, we have to come to grips with this reality. God ordains suffering as part of the human experience, part of the redemptive experience. So the curse, Adam and Eve sin, they express their rebellion against God. We will be the ones who determine good and evil. Thank you very much, God. And so the first trial is that they are escorted out of uh, the garden, right? They, they no longer have that abundance. Now by the sweat of the brow, they, they harvest out of the earth thorns and thistles, uh, you know, fruit amongst the thorns and thistles. There's pain in childbearing. And so, and so from the beginning, suffering is built into the redemptive experience. 
God's people suffer. Uh, Abraham's family suffer. They suffer affliction in Egypt. They wander in the wilderness, sometimes suffering by their own folly. Um, there's opposition from the Gentiles. Uh, they get into the land. And so suffering is a part of this, this life. Let me go back to Romans chapter 8. <clears throat> so this is the run-up to Romans 8.28. So we, we forget this, okay? So this is Paul writing again. So a little bit later, he just said a couple chapters earlier uh, that we rejoice in our sufferings because of what they produce. Chapter 8, verse 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed, for the creation was subjected to frustration not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Well, who is it that subjected the world to suffering? It was God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly, and I think this is speaking to what happens when we suffer, groan inwardly, as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies, for in this hope we were saved. Who hopes, but, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it patiently. So there's this reality connecting suffering and hope again. This confidence that something awaits us that is better than what we experience now. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. So as we're groaning inwardly in our suffering, in our affliction, Oh, it's, it's painful. We've all gone through this. We all will go through this. But the Spirit groans with us. This, God has subjected the world to groaning and to, to futility and frustration and suffering. This is part of the curse. And Jesus comes to participate in the suffering and he tastes death for us and God makes that death to be a redemptive death. By his death, he tramples down death and he opens the way to eternal life. Then we get Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. So, We've kind of come full circle. <laughs> what, six weeks ago on a Monday morning as we kicked off this study, I said, this is God's purpose. Sinday had just preached on Romans 8, 28, right? The beginning of the year, uh, uh, January 2nd. 
And God's purpose is that we be conformed to the likeness or image of his son. But God is working all things. And so the all things there are the all things that we suffer, all things that we endure, all things that we are groaning over. So we have to come to grips with this fact that suffering is part of the program. And God intentionally designs the furnace or the what I had the valley uh, the valley of affliction you know the the, the the valley of the shadow of death we walk through that valley but you are with me I will not fear in that valley because you are with me in the darkness we come to sense God's presence he's with us he's shepherding us he's protecting us he's laying down his life for us we come to know of the Savior's love as we suffer we remember that he suffered. <laughs> We're not the only ones who suffered. God has suffered. The Savior suffered for us. A suffering greater than any suffering we will because he took upon himself the sins of the world. He who knew no sin became sin for us that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He, he endured the wrath of the Father. <laughs> my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God turned his face away from the Son as he became that sin offering. And so God intends suffering to be part of the program of character formation. So as we walk through the valley, he intends that we get to know him. Uh, in the darkness, we know that there's still a light. In the furnace or forge of affliction, that the metal is, is um, purified, the, the, the dross, the slag, the pew slag, right, is, is scraped off and there is a faith that is, is purified. Uh, I think it's one of uh, Peter's letter. I think it's First Peter. Let me let me finish out with this. First mm. uh, Peter chapter one. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope. There's that word again. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. You may have to suffer trials of many kind, but they are purifying your faith. They're developing perseverance and character and hope. Something is happening as we go through suffering and trial we are driven more deeply into the arms, the everlasting arms of God. We find that point of connection with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so, so let's stop there. Tomorrow we'll talk a little bit more about what actually happens in suffering that, that enables us to participate in this uh, character formation. So uh, let's close with prayer. And for each of us, what trial we face today, I, do, I don't know exactly what trial you may be facing, but you are facing something. I am, you are, we all are. 
and let us lean deeply hard into the arms, those everlasting arms of God. So let's pray. Father, hear us. As we walk through the valley, as we find ourselves in the furnace and the forge of affliction, as we find ourselves facing some trial of some kind, may we be reminded of your holy word that you have a purpose for our suffering, for our pain, for our sorrow, for the trials. And so deepen faith, hope, and love in us. Deepen our awareness of your presence. And Lord, comfort, oh, comfort us in our pain and sorrow, even this day. And so as we carry on this journey, this pilgrim journey, Lord, we thank you for one another. Hear our prayers for one another as we offer them in the name of the one who endured the cross for us, even Jesus our Lord. And we offer the prayer that he taught us, saying together, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May the God of all hope and comfort and peace strengthen you with courage and joy to press on this day and forevermore. Amen.